Hello, welcome to the Patch Podcast, episode 337. That was a I'm long delay, Ryan. I was really thinking you were going to jump in that a little, a little bit quicker, actually. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I'm always expecting you guys to jump in and cut me off. Well, we were talking about getting like your neck cracked and stuff at the chiropractor earlier. Have so you ever we, had you that had done? To, me? Yeah. No, but I really should, I think. <laughs> no, I'm afraid. Not not I, of getting uh, hurt. I'm I I would go I'm getting to addicted. Uh, I would go to my oh Jesus. I would go to my doctor and ask whether I should and then get a recommendation if that's a thing that yeah, that can happen. Yep. I um I went to a chiropractor actually for the well, not a chiropractor, a, a registered massage massage therapist for the first time in my life, uh like three weeks ago. Oh, there you go. It uh it left me sore afterwards for sure. The next day literally felt like I had done like a full <laughs> a full on workout and that I had like burned out. Oh my god. That's like a, that's like a good sore though, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was it was funny too because when I left she was like, You you'll uh, you'll want to put heat on that tonight. <laughs> oh <my laughs> like, have a hot shower or like or uh, you know, get a, a, a heat pack or something because she's like, We uh we got we dug in deep there. <laughs> oh my god because i never had it done i went to the same place that my fiance uh goes to like has gone to in the past and uh yeah it was it was uh there were parts at the time that i was like this is maybe a bit much and maybe i shouldn't <laughs> have done this but then afterwards i was like oh yeah it was, it was totally worth it it was great i feel like oh, and this is not right but like i feel as though the bottom of my shoulder blades need to be like lifted up and fixed I know that's Ooh. not the right medical way, but like the <laughs> bottom of my shoulder blades, because I sit at a computer all day, constantly feel like they're tired somehow. There's something wrong with my back or my shoulder blades. Something's wrong with me. <laughs> Need a ring dinger. I don't know if that would help the shoulder blades. I don't know either. That's why I'm t- that's why I'm going to go to a doctor first and ask. <laughs> uh, that's Tim Spence talking. Oh, that's, actually, that was Matt Lawrence talking. Wait, <laughs> Tim who, Spence is also here. Now? Ah! <laughs> oh, well. Uh, some of the top stories this week include Microsoft shaking up the PC gaming market by reducing their Windows store cut to just 12%. Uh, PlayStation's delisting of Cyberpunk 2077 has apparently influenced sales and other platforms, according to CD Projekt Red. NVIDIA is going to re-release uh, certain RTX 30 series cards with more limited crypto mining. And uh, finally, uh, Facebook free Oculus Quest 2 is way more expensive. That's the That's the model that you can get if you don't want to log in with a Facebook account. It costs more to do that. So we'll be talking about that in the show ahead. Uh, First off, what's new with you, Tim Spence? What's new? Um, So finally, after like a month, month and a half, maybe, I finally finished playing Oblivion on stream. Oh, God damn, I missed it. (laughs) Finally got through it. Um, There was... uh, there were there were te- there were tears. It was a very emotional <laughs> uh, climax, and um, no, we uh, <laughs> I finished off the Shivering Isles, and I'd finished the main story, and I'd done the Mages Guild, the Dark Brotherhood, and I was pretty satisfied with that. There wasn't really much else. Like it's a Bethesda game, so there's always tons of shit to do in it, right? But I'd like done all the side quests I'd come across, and I did the main stories that I wanted to do, um, and I finished playing through the Shivering Isles, which I haven't done in like. I never like properly gave it a good playthrough. I think the last time that I played it, I just only did like the main story and I don't even know if I finished it. So it was, it was cool to properly finish it off. And, um, 
you know, to like and see all the side stuff too. Like there's actually so much side stuff in Shivering Isles that I was not expecting. Um, so that was awesome as well. And uh, yeah, just being able to um, share that with other people as well. I think a lot of people hadn't um, ever like seen Oblivion before. So it was kind of cool to see some people's reactions to certain things that happened. The people like watching your stream, people watching, seen yeah. Oblivion. I, I I think that was uh, was the case that not a lot of people had uh, seen it before. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, after that we uh, started up Majora's Mask, which is probably the Zelda game that I've like of the games that I've played. Majora's Mask is probably one of the ones that I've played the least, even though it's like one of my favorites. Um, it's in like my top three games of all time. Like I, I really, really love Majora's Mask. Um, and we've uh, been playing it for about three days, I think. And I've actually made more progress than I thought I would. Um, already done two temples, done a bunch of the side stuff as well. I'm really trying to take my time in it and like explore. Even though I would have considered Majora's Mask to be one of the more linear Zelda games. And I mean, they tend to be pretty linear. Um I thought that it was one of the more linear ones, but as I've playing it again, it, like going off and doing a bunch of side stuff, it's surprisingly rewarding for kind of just taking your time and exploring. I think when I was younger, knowing that the game is so um, <clears throat> like time sensitive, um, it was always just that like clock in the background threatening to uh, threatening to end your your playthrough, right? And like. There's just a literal reminder hanging over your head constantly. If you look up at any point, you can always see the moon, like, slowly getting closer and closer and closer. Uh, so it's like, I don't know, I was always, the game gave me a lot of anxiety when I was younger, because I was like, oh my god, I'm going to run out of time, and I'm going to start all over, and blah. Um, but, you know, being older and knowing kind of better how the game mechanics work and stuff, and uh, playing through it again a little more leisurely is is actually a lot of fun. It's It's just a really solid game. It's pretty crazy to think that they churned it out in like less than a year. Um, I mean, they used a lot of assets from Ocarina, obviously, but like, it's just a damn good game. It's it's a it's a short game if you know what you're doing, but it's densely packed, and I really, um, I'm really imp- I think I'm just really impressed by the game, and that makes it more enjoyable. It's super cool. Um, yeah, just been been going hard on on the Majora's Mask. It's really. It's just so good. It's got so much charm to it. And it's creepy, too. It's dark. I've actually uh, had a lot of new people coming into the stream because of Majora's Mask and, and talking about how it's like their favorite game. And there's been a lot of discussion about the uh, sequel to Breath of the Wild because they've basically... I'm pretty sure Nintendo has already confirmed that it is going to be a darker entry closer to like in the series, closer to like Twilight Princess and Majora's Mask. So that's got me very excited as well. And I think a lot of other people, too. Um, I'm I'm really curious to see anything at all that they release further about that uh, that sequel. Oh man, what are you what are you playing it on? Like the Switch? Is it on the Switch or I don't know if you I don't know it's if you said it's not that. on the Switch. No. Um. So I was originally going to try to play on the N64 because I do have my uh, original cartridge still. Um. The one that's got like the lenticular sticker on it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like you look at it from different angles and it kind of like shimmers the image. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one's that one's really cool. That's one of my favorite pieces of like gaming. Mm, not even memorabilia because it's just a game cartridge. But like that's one of my favorite 
physical games that I own. Um, but uh, I couldn't find the chords for my capture card that go to composite input. So uh, I was talking about it with a friend before I started streaming it. And he was like, oh, so you're going to be playing on like the Wii U, like a uh, virtual console? And I was like, well, no, N64. But now that you mention it, I think I might actually have it on Wii U Virtual Console as well. And I just like forgot that I bought it. And it turns out, yeah, I couldn't find my N64 cable. So I I dusted off the Wii U and I hooked it up and made sure everything was working and checked the my library. And yeah, I did have it on, on the Wii U. Oh, that's I great. I remember buying it. So yeah, it's uh, I've been playing it on the Wii U, which is great because it's uh, easier to capture. It's in better quality as well. Um, but I have noticed it's like, it is obviously emulation for the virtual console. Mm-hmm. And there are certain points in the game where you're like, Ooh, yeah, there's the emulator showing. Um, but other than that, like it's been great. And actually another thing. So I played Ocarina of time on stream about a year ago now, I think it was last June, last May or June. And, um, I got to about the end of the playthrough and, and people kept popping in and asking if I was playing with an N64 controller. And, uh, I was like, well, no, it's, it's on like Wii U virtual console. And they're like, well, yeah, that's no problem. You can just buy an adapter. And I was like, wait, that's a thing? So I looked it up, and there's actually this company um, called Rafnet Tech, which sells basically, when it comes to, like, game console adapters, an adapter for literally anything. Like, N64 to USB, USB to PS1, PS2 to GameCube. Like, literally any... any PS2 to GameCube. Yeah, like, any adapter... I'm not even kidding. They have like, then they have like triple adapters where it's like SNES, N64, and GameCube to USB or something like that, right? So, um, on that, what I, I had intended back then, uh, to, to buy one of these adapters and see if I could play Ocarina with an N64 controller. So I bought the GameCube and N64 to Wiimote adapter because when oh, you play wow. on Virtual Console on the Wii U, <laughs> You have to basically you have like your your um, Wii Pro controller, and that plugs into a Wiimote, and then the Wiimote connects to the system. Um, so that's uh, that's that's the setup for that. But I ended up beating Ocarina before the adapter came in because mm. it took a couple of weeks. And so when I, uh, I I forgot that I had it, and then when I was putting up Majora's Mask again, somebody mentioned, they were like, oh, like, have you ever tried using, or somebody asked, what what controller are you using? And I said, oh, just like the Wii Pro controller. And then I was like, wait, I have an adapter for this exact scenario. Like, this is an N64 game. So I was like, hang on. So I had to, um, I had to dig up the adapter and uh, grab one of my controllers and I tried plugging it all in. And when I did that, it, uh, I, I plugged the N64 controller into the adapter, the adapter into the Wiimote, and then turned the console on, and the cursor is just going, like, all over the screen. And I was like, wait, what? And I try to, like, highlight things, and it's, like, reading a constant input. So I'm like, oh, maybe, like, one of the sticks is, you know, was was pushed in a direction when I plugged it in or whatever. So I unplug everything, plug everything back in, try it again. Cursor's still, like, going all over the screen. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And then, just randomly, it would, like, pull up the the Wii menu... And then it would close it and pull it up. And then the, the, the cursor was going all over the screen. And then it would pull the menu and stuff. And I was like, okay, this is like completely wrong. So I thought that the... Uh, I, I tried it again the next day. Like shut everything off, turn everything back on. Tried it again. Same, same thing is happening. So I was like, okay, this thing must be defective then. So I, I went on 
um, to their website. And uh, I found their email. So I, I emailed the support email and I was like, hey, this is my situation. Like, is this a thing or like is mine defective? And the person actually got back to me in like three hours. And they said, do you happen to have a controller pack in your N64 controller that you're trying to use? Because that causes the exact issue that you're describing. So I was like, no fucking way. So I go and look and yeah, I did have a controller pack in my N64 controller. So I took it out, tried the setup again, worked perfectly. God damn. So I was like, oh man, this is great. So I've been playing Majora's Mask on Wii U Virtual Console with an actual, my my old original first party purple N64 (laughs) controller and... Man, so that first day I was playing with the with the Wii Pro controller, um, and it's a li- it was a little bit janky. Like I kept accidentally hitting the wrong buttons and stuff for things I was trying to do. And like the one control stick is when you're trying to like aim the like the bow and stuff. And I mean, to be fair, this game is like 21 years old, so the aiming isn't going to be as sensitive as like you know a modern shooter kind of thing, right? But the difference between being able to like try to aim with a Wii Pro controller versus an actual original N64 controller, which is like the one that it was designed for in the first place. It's so much better. It's just been so awesome to be able to play this game like in really nice resolution with, you know, good performance, not too much like emulation issue with an original controller. It's just like it's it's a little bit of nostalgia is like helping fuel the experience, I think, but only only for uh only in good ways though like it's it's been uh just really really enjoyable to be able to go back and do that again how uh how long is majora's mask for you to like i'm wondering whether there's like other games you're going to play with this n64 now that you got it set it up or the controller now that you've got it set up or is this thing going to last you like a month like oblivion did no definitely not majora's mask is a pretty short game um, if you know what you're doing, but it's a very side, uh, side contenty game mm-hmm. as well. Like there's, you can get through the game with probably only finding like bare minimum. You can probably get through the game with like five or six masks and there's 24. Mm-hmm. So like, there's lots of side stuff to do. Um, and, you know, it, it, some of the side stuff is, like, super valuable, like finding all of the collectible fairies in every dungeon that you then take back to the great fairy because there's one in each, like, zone of the of the world that gives you a different power. So, like, the first one um, in the first temple that you that put back together gives you, like, the stronger magic sword attack. So, like, your standard, you know, Zelda game where you hold B, charge up the sword, let go, it does, like, the spin attack. The first one gives you the stronger version of that. The second dungeon one gives you like double your magic bar. So like very powerful upgrades, but definitely not like necessary to beat the game, but totally worth the time to do it because the reward is very strong. Um, and what's great too is like, I don't really remember this game at all. Right. So I, I sort of have a, an inkling of like, you know, I know where you're supposed to go. I know what you're supposed to do in like each of the areas and stuff for the most part. But there are still things that like I haven't done in. I don't remember the last time I played it. I think the last time would have been when the remake came out on the 3DS, which was 2015, I think. So it's been like six years since I played this game. And 
for whatever reason, I commit like almost none of it to memory. So for a lot of the side stuff, it's been cool because I'm like, I kind of know what I'm supposed to do here. But then you go and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this guy's here. And then this guy does this thing at this time. And then, yeah, and then I can do this. And okay, that's cool. And then like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a really well done game. It's it's very polished. And um, it's like, um, but yeah, like if you, if you knew what you were doing, you can get through the whole game and probably less than like, like not even speed running it as well. Just like know what you're doing and casually playing. You could probably get through the game in like less than 10 hours, maybe even eight hours. But if you're doing all the side stuff too, it's like probably, probably 40 hours. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Jesus, well, it sounds like you're going to get your money's worth out of that adapter anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even just to have it, like, honestly, as soon as it was working, and that first time I was able to play the game with an mm. original N64 controller on the virtual console, I was like, this has made its money back instantly. Like, the satisfaction just to be able to do this, instantly worth the, the purchase price. What's a it controller was, pack, too, by the way? Sorry. What's, you said, um, it, it, what is yeah, that? Yeah, so the controller pack for certain games gives different functionality. I think for the games that I had that used it, it basically functioned like a, um, like a memory card. Okay. So it kept game saves on it. But, uh, yeah, it's weird that it had that, like, incompatibility with the adapter. But, I mean, it's not like I was using it for anything. The Rumble Pack too apparently also causes issues with that. So if if anyone out there is interested in looking into a uh, an adapter to be able to use their N sixty four controllers with the Wii U Virtual Console, with a Wiimote. <laughs> yeah, oh just be just be aware that if you have a controller pack or Rumble Pack, uh, they cause issues. I don't know if the uh, if the Game Boy Reader adapter would also have issues. I think that's what it was called. I don't know if the uh, Hey You Pikachu uh, microphone. Would also have it cause issues, but oh uh, my god, I don't know. But yeah, that's uh, he that email that they sent back said if you have a roll pack or controller pack, it causes that issue. So just be aware if you're gonna hit up rafnettech.com. But yeah, so worth it. And they have like really obscure and not like super popular console adapters on there too. So like ColecoVision and television stuff like that. Oh my god, old stuff. Yeah, but yeah, that's been my week. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Wow. Matt, how about you? Uh I finally completed the Morrowind journey. It is Look at, this. Look at all this Elder Scrolls business. Yeah. Um Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind is complete. Finally, I beat the I beat the final boss, beat the main story. Uh killing, I mean, spoiler alert ish, I guess. It's a old game. Well, you know what? Major spoiler, I don't care. Dagothur is dead. He's dead. Oh. And uh, there was a bit of an incident in my game as well. So last time I had I had played, I got to the point where I got to that last boss or the last mission. And last mission is uh, Vivek, which is a god and I believe leader of the city of the same name. Vivek gives you the plan to kill Dagothur and gives you this thing called Wraith Guard, which is like an armored uh, glove. And he basically says you have to have this and you go go into this area within the ghost gate, which is red mountain is like a, in the center of the map ish. And it's like a big volcano. And there's this big, like magical uh, wall all the way around it because there's like a lot of blighted creatures, which is like a disease, a lot of blighted creatures. And there's like corporate stuff in there. And there's like, you know, it's, it's a bad place. It's, it's like not good. And Dagothur <laughs> is in there too. 
So basically you go through Ghostgate and he says, go pick up this hammer, go pick up this sword of specific names. One's in this tower. This other one's in this other tower. Go to these places, pick these things up. You have to have Wraithguard in your hand to wield them properly and then basically kill this, kill Dagothur's heart, which is like this big heart that's connected to this big like Dwemer or Dwemer or whatever machine. So I do that first part. So I... I go, I grab the sword, whatever that, whatever it's called, grab that, have that. Then I go and literally fly over to the other place, grab Sunder, which is the hammer. And what's weird is, is like, I'm, I'm an axe character. And so when I use other weapons, I have lesser accuracy with them. But these things are so powerful with all their, their uh, magical enchantments that I actually did better using Sunder than my axe. So I just started using Sunder, but missing like 60% of the time, but I just kept using it. And I was using that, and I get to the end, and you like have this conversation with Aegothar or whatever, and you have like a standard fight with him. So he just he's just in this like cavern, and you just fight him. You defeat him, he disappears, and he sort of at that with that retreats to this other chamber. So the chamber is like this really big chamber where there's lava at the bottom. It's like this big pit and there's sort of a platform all the way around it that has like a ramp that goes up and down. And the engine you go in there, he just starts to attack you. So there's like a ring that is in the first chamber you fight him in. So it has some good enchantments and stuff. And he was just kicking my ass. So I kept trying to fight him. And every, every time I would get damage in on him, he would just destroy me. So I was, like I said, trying Sunder. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should use a lesser damage, but still, but like almost 100%, if not 100% accuracy axe, maybe that'll interrupt him. So I try that. That doesn't work. So I try a bunch of my other, like I try this new ring. I try, I have like this robe on that if I cast the enchantment that's on it, it reflects spells back. So I try reflect, I try dispel, I've tried all this stuff and some of the stuff works good. Some of it doesn't, but I just can't kill this guy. Like he just, every time I do damage to him, he kills me. So I was like, well, crap, like I'm going to have to leave and either go stock up on like a thousand health potions and then come back and fight him or like something, something's going on. So I go and I face him this one time and I have the boots of blinding speed. I try without them because I have boots that have every armor. I try with them. And the one time I go in, I like on one of my retries, I have the boots of blinding speed and I run at him and I ended up actually pushing him off the ledge and he falls into the lava, but he's all shielded and everything else with like all this magic and he doesn't die. And I see him down at the bottom. So I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to use this opportunity. Like, I don't know whether the game is glitch at this point. I'm just going to go and like <laughs> it's a fair. It's a fair guess for Morrowind. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, this guy's probably glitched like this. This game's glitched. But I was like, you know what? At th- this is such a big chamber. I'm going to an- like do an analysis of my surroundings. So I go, I walk around. Some of his followers are around. I kill them. I keep walking around. I find this heart. So I'm like, oh, here, it is. here we go. So Vivet gives you allegedly some sort of package or book or something that tells you what the plan is. So he verbally, which is in text, like tells you what the plan is. And he says, if you want the full details, read this thing. I tried to find that in my inventory. I didn't look super hard, but I never found it. I don't know whether I missed picking something up or whatever. I don't know. Um, so I just went in and so this is where things kind of got a little muddy. So I go into the, I go up to the heart and I hit it with one of the artifacts and it's the wrong one. So I, 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 cause I had the sword out. And so I go and I grab Sunder, the hammer and I hit, hit the heart with that. And Dagothur has a voice line like, what are you doing? No, or whatever. So I'm like, oh, he, he doesn't like this. This is what I'm probably supposed to do. So I start like hitting it. He teleports up to me and he starts hitting me in the back. But he doesn't get enough damage in before I I blow up the heart and I run back across this bridge and this heart is like at the bottom of this huge statue that's in the center of this big chamber. 
and the statue detonates and then he's gone but the combat music's still going so i check around there's no followers and i didn't know what had happened now what i had what had happened was i beat the game i didn't know this i thought the game glitched because i pushed him in the lava so i rebooted the game and i kept trying different strategies again three four times because not like the thing about morrowind is the most like and it changes per thing but for the most part the updates you get on quests is really like your journal's been updated like it's it's not a big like hey you beat like you won this hooray and like a knight comes out or something and tells you about it it just literally like okay you beat the game like yay and that's it and it doesn't even actually do that it's just sort of like you should know that i guess so all of my uh life experiences are are marked by a knight coming up and congratulating (laughs) me yeah (laughs) <laughs> well, well, the thing is, is like even in like in um, like Oblivion, you know, the end is pretty clear. And this this just wasn't like this was a big explosion and everything. But I thought it had glitched out. So anyway, so I keep trying and trying. And so then I'm like, OK, you know what? I'm going to go do that heart thing because my my theory at this point is that heart thing. If I kill the heart, then his magic is going to go away and he won't heal instantly. So I keep going down there and this and this time I can't get the like the I don't push him off the edge. So he keeps teleporting down to me, hitting me in the back, killing me. And I just can't kill this heart. I killed it once, and then he killed me. And I can't figure out how to kill it, because what I was doing was pulling out random artifacts and just whacking away at this thing. And I thought I only had to hit it with once with Sunder or once with the sword in like a certain order, and that was it. So I'm like, I try it and try it and try it. I'm like, okay, you know what? I gotta look this up. I don't know what I'm doing. So I look it up, and it turns out that when the statue blows up, you beat the game. So I was like, crap. So it says you got to hit, if I remember correctly, you hit the heart with Sunder, which is the hammer, and then you hit it five times with the sword. And remember, I'm inaccurate with these weapons. You hit it five times with the sword, and then it blows up. So I was like, okay, like before I was just spam clicking, so that makes sense. So I go, I a couple more attempts, he kills me, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I eventually do it, and he dies. And then I was like, okay, there's no journal update. Like what, or not that I noticed. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what am I supposed to do? There's still combat music just like before. And it says, go back into the original chamber where you fought him, you know, physically the first time. And Azura will be there waiting for you. And I was like, oh, okay. So I go into the chamber. She's not in there or not that I saw. And I was like, okay, something like something's not right. So I go back into the Dagoth chamber with the big statue. Statue still detonated and he's not there. And the combat music's gone. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to leave this place. Maybe maybe they assumed I was going to leave this place. And sure enough, when I went to the other door, so I come uh, into the first chamber from the second, and I go to leave, Azura appears, does a little thing, uh, has a cut scene. So like, this is the thing I'm waiting for, right? Like an actual proper end to let me know that I finished. She hands me a ring. She disappears. And that's it. So I beat it. So then I went outside and it said, you know, when you go outside, the world's like the world around Red Mountain's all screwed up. It kind of looks like oblivion in a way. It's like red skies. It's shitty weather. There's dust. It's there's creatures all over the place. So if you beat him successfully, you go outside. It's like a nice day. It's nice, clear skies. It's nice out. And so I'm like, okay, sweet. So I go out. I go like outside. It's a nice, clear day. I save and that's it. So, yeah, uh, that's that's Morrowind. Uh, I was telling Tim actually at the time, because it was like 4.30 a.m. And I was telling Tim at the time that like this, like what a crazy journey. Like I got this game as a gift, I believe a birthday gift from my parents. And I didn't back then there was no Internet or at least we didn't have it. 
So I told them to go to the shopkeeper and tell them I wanted to play a game where I could just run around and like have a, I think I didn't know what open world was. I think I used to say free world where I could just run around and they should like, it was Radio Shack Canada in center mall. That mall's <laughs> gone. Radio Shack Canada has gone. Radio Shack America is gone. I think now too. And it was all on CD. It was like the, it was the Morrowind game of the year edition. I think probably still have the box somewhere. And now I'm playing this game on Xbox Game Pass right after Bethesda had been purchased by Microsoft. Like, what a crazy, crazy journey, uh, like a personal journey. So, yeah, this was like a big, big, big check mark in my gaming career, if that's a thing. And, uh, yeah, it's, it was I just thought I was just going to beat it and it was going to be fine. But I felt super relieved. Like, it was just like, I don't know where when I beat it. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> like, like a, holy crap. I finally like there's no credits, but I got that final piece. Like I've beaten Morrowind finally. Um, Don't so have to Ryan, worry about it anymore. Correct. Yeah, that's the thing. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I might go try Solstheim or something like that. Uh, and I know, I know Tim and I want to try out that uh, the 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 uh, open, open Morrowind. Open Morrowind. Yeah. So we want to try that out. And now I'm like. <laughs> Now I don't have to worry about my saves, which actually that's another thing. Oh man. Yeah. So when I booted up the game, this is like, it was like that night. I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to get, I'm going to see how far I get. This is before I even started this like last play session. I go to boot up the game. It boots up about halfway, gets halfway through loading and it crashes to desktop. Now it, it, it does this whole game and there's an old computer as well. It does this and I've had this in the past and then it, you just need to reboot your computer, whatever. So I go and I, it crashes, whatever. I reboot the computer, reboot the computer, go boot it up. And it has a really slow load. This is what happened before too. Like to me, no big deal. I go in and I'm like, okay, whatever. I go to load, no saves. So I was like, here we go. So <laughs> I go to like new game and it lets me do that. So I'm like, okay, something's wrong with my saves. So I exit the game and I go into the saves folder and there's just not a saves folder. So the game like reinitialized or maybe there was an update for gamepad. I don't know. I don't know what happened. But this entire time I've been backing up my Morrowind saves. Every time I do, every time I have a good play session, dump them into OneDrive every single time. And I was telling Tim as well that there's actually no guide, at least not the one that I found, on how to do this. Because in Mor like Morrowind, the standard, let's say CD version or the retail version, you just go into the directory and the saves are here or sometimes they're over here. There's a couple places. But this is the Game Pass PC version, and no one's really talking about Morrowind for Game Pass PC, when first of all, it just came to Game Pass PC, as far as I know, and second of all, it's the Game Pass PC version. Like, it's people who have played Morrowind probably are using the discs, or they're using the Steam version, or whatever, so this, this is like a non-standard version. And so I had, like, I found out where this folder is, and, and actually, like... What it, what it is is so I install my Windows is installed on C drive my data and my games are on on a on the D drive, and what I found out was because Morrowind and this is all of this is like stuff that I figured out so if some of this is like a little incorrect then whatever but then correct me but um, basically I install a game in the D drive it's from the Microsoft Store right because it's the Game Pass version it's from the Xbox app whatever you want to say because it's modifiable you can like enable mods in morrowind from the xbox launcher um it's in it has like your standard it's in it's hidden away in a, in a pro in a thing called windows apps and a folder called windows apps that you have to modify permissions to get into but here's the thing i've already done the modifications to get into this folder and the saves file wasn't in there and i tried all the other places where it is is there is what appears to be a duplicate folder of Morrowind 
in another folder under program files in this case on the D drive that's called Windows Modifiable Apps or Modifiable Windows Apps, something like that. And the saves are in there. So presumably Game Pass is like keeping a preserved copy and then it's like duplicating that copy for you so you can modify it. And whether it like detected a corruption or something and that's why it reinitialized my game, I don't know whether that crashed did something, I don't know. But that's where my saves were. And so I think I think I might post that on Reddit because like I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to grab like the proper file names and such because I wouldn't be surprised if someone, especially now that there's so much Bethesda hype, someone might be trying to play this thing and like they might lose their saves. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I had to figure that out myself. Uh, but yeah, the Morrowind complete <laughs> and back up your damn saves is what I got to say to anyone out there listening that's playing this thing. Back up your damn saves. What a process uh, it took as well. The pro- yeah, that's the thing. But once I figured it out, just easy, easy. Uh, it's literally just like it's in one folder called saves, dumped it out or like dumped them into OneDrive. Like I just uploaded them. And then uh, when I had problems, like I went in, there was no saves folder. I just made a saves folder and dumped my f- files in, booted the game up, took a couple longer seconds, probably because it was like trying to recombobulate. And then boom, it worked. So easy enough to recover. Like I recovered within once I figured out what had happened other than the reboot and such recovered within a couple of minutes. So that was good. Um, but also, actually, Ventful Week uh, beat Outriders as well, which was also a crazy fucking journey uh, for the end part. So I was playing with Ryan for a bit, and then our buddy Alex jumped on, played with Alex as well, Ryan and Alex. And then I think you went to watch the Oscars, Ryan. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you went to watch the Oscars. So it was just it was uh, Alex and I were down two people. We fought the last zone which had like a shaman warlord which took forever to kill we had to lower the world tier a little bit because alex wasn't quite at 30 uh but like still took forever and then we're like you know what this looks like the last zone like the story's wrapping up and everything like this looks this looks like the last part let's just do it we were in a boss fight for an actual hour and it took so there from what we could tell there's two parts and I believe the, the first part is checkpointed. So if you die in the second, you'll just load there, I think. But we didn't die. Uh, we only died in the first part, learned the guy's attacks, and then we just did it. That thing required some serious precision. It was like um, orbs, like orbs. these orbs things are shooting at us. So it's like orbs. Okay, now there's ads. He's doing uh, a slam. Now he's coming after you. Chain lightning dodge i gotta get ammo cover me heal and it was an hour of just constant screaming and like rotating around this circular map and at the end alex is like he's like holy fucking shit dude he's like i'm pretty dizzy (laughs) (laughs) like it was like a super like for a game like for a video game where you're just like sitting on a couch or i was standing because it was crazy like what a gamer lean going yeah like it was (laughs) it what a crazy what a crazy hour like it was hard, like it was, it, but it was a good challenge. Um, so we have to get Ryan to the end because he's not quite at the end because the the Fallout um, the Fallout seventy six season has started. So um, we've been doing behind. that. Well, well, you're behind because your download didn't finish. I was left behind. You were left behind. <laughs> this is not the U.S. Marines. We do leave a man behind. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, we've been doing uh, we've been doing the follow the new Fallout seventy six season, and I actually have one really really small gripe about that. Actually, the update's good. I actually have better performance now, but faster loading times. I don't know whether that was a I didn't look at the patch notes, 
I know that they added like the camp slots and this and that, and we're going to start using those because we want to make like a mega camp, but also I have like a pretty good piece of real estate for selling stuff. So I'm going to have like both of those camps and the, I haven't tried the perk loadouts, but like that's a good idea. And it's definitely something I want to use because I want to try a commando build. So that's fine. The, my issue is, and I haven't even beaten the Brotherhood uh, uh, storyline to be clear, but the game is pulling me back into stuff that I've done like 100 times. Like I am arresting Mad Dog alone four times. I'm doing Fly Swatter because it's fast. I'm doing uh, Leader of the Pack because there's three legendaries. I'm like, I'm doing these like really repetitive, consistently like do the same thing over and over again. And like, there's just, to my knowledge, no new events. And I'd like to point out that I'm a bloody build, but the new daily ops is, are really fucking hard. The old daily ops were like an ammo farm. You could just keep getting ammo, 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 ammo. Oh, I need ammo. Just go in and do a daily op, even solo. I joined a, a Marty and I tried it with Laura, got our asses kicked. Me especially, because I'm bloody, so I have no health. Uh, one was a point, like there was a poison one. There was one where the guys were super strong. I played one uh, yesterday uh, without you guys, was just a random. And <laughs> that random and I went down at least 12 times each. We didn't even get a reward. We got like the standard reward of like, here's like some XP and caps and some legendaries, but we didn't even get a reward in one of the three tiers um, because we were in there for like 13 minutes. And that I'm level 341. That guy's level 240. He was not bloodied. I am. And those super mutants seriously kicked our ass and you only need to kill 12 of them. The daily ops are a serious problem. So. Good work on the daily ops. I like that. It's kind of annoying that it's not an ammo farm anymore, but like it feels like a legit challenge, which is nice. Um, but I, again, like the rest of it is just like they did a lot of good quality of life improvements, but it's just a lot of the same thing. And they still got the stupid survive for 10 minutes and nuclear winner thing. So now every single day, like, oh, boot up nuclear winner. Here we go. So, it is remarkable how much the same it feels like it's a brand new season, but it we've been doing the same stuff for the last three seasons. They should have, or are we, we're on season four now, right? We're on season four. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, it's, it's all the same. Um, uh, are challenges? They challenges for the, for the ranking up. Yeah. Challenges. Yeah. They're all the same challenges every single time. And it's just, the game's getting a little stale, even though they have new content in terms mm-hmm. of like cosmetics and whatnot. And you're right. A lot of the quality of life stuff has been great. But it's just getting annoying kind of doing the same thing a billion times over. It cannot be expressed in enough words, I don't think. How nice it is to not have a live game that I'm invested <laughs> in. I don't have to worry about keeping up with or like spending more money on season passes and things. Ugh. Just buy a game, play it, sick of it, move on. Don't have to feel obligated to play it anymore. Man, it's wild. <laughs> well, here, well, the thing, the thing, too, is like... Like you make a good point because like Outriders uh, has like a small like I think like DLC pack you can buy like some cosmetics it's like a one off I think Ryan you bought it but yeah um like you t- totally don't need to and I didn't even know it existed until you said it but like Outriders felt like a legitimate like hey I completed this like there wasn't any bullshit there wasn't any like hey buy this to become more powerful or whatever not that Fallout has that but like th- there wasn't any like sort of cheapness to it and same with Morrowind of course but the thing the thing with seventy six two is like. The game becomes like this this thing where you have to do these these challenges 
And whereas I like the idea of a really challenging daily op, for example, and I like the fact that the daily ops are changed and there's new maps that are cool. Now the daily op is hard. So now you have this nuclear winner option for one of your dailies or not always, but sometimes you got to do a daily op. And then there's also the daily op weekly. So it's like you have to do these really difficult daily ops and it's now going to be more like it's going to be more difficult for people, in my opinion, to get other people to go in and do it. What I what I do to get if like I jump on after you guys are earlier than you guys because I can't make it on that night and I just want to jump on for an hour and do some challenges. What I used to do is I jump into a casual group and I just go into the daily op and nine times out of ten someone will join me. This still happened, but that guy and I got our asses kicked. And I can see that like I could, I could potentially see that once people identify like oh this is a particularly challenging daily op because it's a random effect in a random map every day. This is a ra- this is like this is like a rather particularly challenging daily op. I could see people not joining as much. So people without a group are going to probably struggle to hit those dailies and especially that weekly. Maybe I'm wrong, but I could see it happening. Um, as for myself, I'll just be really quick here. Um, uh, more COD Mobile. I'm uh, God. I am level thirty something in the season. Uh, there's only fifty levels in the season. <laughs> okay. Um, been doing pretty well on that. And uh, uh, Ratchet and Clank 2016. I am actually probably going to finish that next time I play it. Um, I wanted to get that done before the new Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart comes out. So, is I don't know if it's like a sequel to that one. I don't know if it's a direct sequel or not. I think it's just a because the um, 2016 version was like a reboot of the first game, was it not? Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And I'm not. I'm not sure if, if this one's a direct sequel to that or not. I think. Or just... I think it is. I don't know for sure, but I, I th- thought it was. And not that I really need it. I just. I just wanted. To, I, I've always wanted to play um, this one. Um, so I, I decided to get that out of the way. And other than that, that was pretty much it. Doing the outrage with Matt, doing the follow with everyone else. That uh, those daily ops are difficult, man. Well, I was ta- I was talking to you and the other day, and like we 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 play payday after the podcast here sometimes, and I was telling you, Ryan, that like in a week, I want to know how many like really difficult situations we find ourselves in. Like <laughs> we, we got screwed by a payday mission, took like an hour. We got screwed in outriders by all this stuff, and like even when you were there for that play session for the, for the, for the small part of it, like we still got screwed a few times. Like there's difficult parts. And then we like jump over to like fall out. Now we're getting screwed. Like how many times in a week is it like, Oh, here we go. Like everyone to get together. And like everyone's Absolute screaming chaos. orders. Yeah. It just, just chaos. Like, like yeah. Gerard Butler, these fucks and every other thing. Like no one gets <laughs> that, but like we do now. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I scream it enough, but. All right, let's hop into the stories for this week. Uh, first up here, Microsoft is shaking up the PC gaming world by reducing Windows Store's cut to just 12%. This comes from The Verge. So uh, they're reducing it from 30% to just 12% uh, from August 1st in a clear bid to compete with Steam and entice developers and studios to bring more PC games to its Microsoft Store. Uh, and they said, and I quote, game developers are at the heart of bringing great games to our players and we want them to find success on our platforms. This is from Matt Moody, head of Xbox Game Studios at Microsoft. A clear no-strings-attached revenue share means developers can bring more games to more players and find greater commercial success from doing so, end quote. Uh, So these changes will only affect PC games and not Xbox console games in Microsoft Store. 
Uh, Microsoft has not explained why it is not reducing the 30% it takes on Xbox game sales, but it's likely because the console business uh, model is entirely different to PC. Uh, Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo subsidized their hardware to make consoles more affordable and offer marketing deals in return for a 30% cut on the software sales. Uh, so if anyone's listening who doesn't know what this is, basically when a game is sold on Microsoft Store, Microsoft traditionally would take 30% of that sale and then the press would go to the, the publisher. Um, 12% is also what Epic Games charges on their Epic Games platform. So how do you guys feel about this? Is this is this finally the uh, the, the, the the dam breaking? Uh, probably a crack in the defenses, but not the dam breaking because Steam is bringing, in my opinion, so much more value to these developers because they have a dedicated base, many of which, and I don't have numbers on that, but many of the people that I've talked to, small sample size, will not leave Steam. Or if a game is on Epic first and they realize that it will come to Steam, they will wait. They would rather wait to play it on Steam. So, I mean, I have never, again, small sample size in my circle, ever heard of anyone buying anything from the Microsoft store for a game (laughs) with the exception of if you include Game Pass PC games. Right. So... I like sure they're like technically they're stirring up the industry among their competitors, but the competitors to steam like steam is well ahead of these other guys. What's interesting, though, is that this is one of the the sticking points that Epic has with Apple taking a 30 percent cut right mm-hmm. now. Epic decided when when taking on steam to 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 cut their to reduce their cut to 12 percent. Now you have Microsoft doing that. Um I just find it interesting that uh, I wonder how Steam will respond, if at all. Uh, I kind of think they won't. That's what I mean by I think it's like a little crack in the defenses. They probably have talked about it or noticed it, you know, to an extent. Um, they're probably not going to publicly acknowledge it because they don't want, you know, they're too they're, they're too big, right? They're too good for that. They'll just be like, ah, small fish in our pond kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Apple because to a, mention okay. it would be to acknowledge it, you know, it would be to justify it to uh, or legitimize it. I mean, yeah, because Epic is in this lawsuit with Apple, Apple did make a. I don't know if you want to call it a concession or if you want to just like they're trying to like change the narrative, but they did have that like small business thing where if uh, anything you make under a million dollars would only be like 15 percent or something like that. Right. And so that was to help the smaller developers kind of kind of keep more of the share until they become a bigger platform. I don't know. This this is this is the weird thing too because I don't know what the right answer is here because like okay, if you're a person, you're a consumer and you really want to give the game dev more money, then sure, you might choose Epic and you may choose you may choose Microsoft, but the argument always seems to be in the press and again among my small, small social circle that oh, I prefer this platform. It becomes an argument of platform and features on the platform and popularity of the platform. It doesn't become an argument never since I, that I've seen short of dedicated articles. It never becomes an article about giving the dev more money. Like that's effectively what's happening here. But it ne- I, I rarely, if ever, have seen that argument. Well, in this case, it's not about giving the dev more money per se. It's It's... It's trying to entice developers to come to your platform so mm-hmm. 
so consumers will come to your platform. Right, right. right. And Epic, Epic's missing a lot of features that Steam has. You know, uh, Epic seems pretty bare bones at the moment. I don't I even think they have say, like achievements or anything yet, right? Like, um, is is just a lower price point for the for the developers, like which the consumers, you know, might not even be aware of. Is that really enough to bring people to the platform? Like, I feel like you need that on top of other functionality. You know, that's a really good point, Tim, because there's people out there now that like, like there are the people out there now that would read into this and like realize and understand the payment model usually are people that game quite a bit and they, because they game so much, sometimes are like really opinionated. Like they would be like, no, I only want to use Steam, right? Like they just, because they're in it, they have a a very specific preference. Not going to be the average consumer, I don't think. That's a good point. So like, why would they even care? I should note here that uh, Valve takes a 30% cut on the Steam store sales, uh, but it's reduced 25% when sales hit 10 million, and then 20% for every sale after 50 million. Ooh-wee. 50 million. Who we? Who? Wh- what game has ever sold 50 million copies that wasn't like no, GTA? No, sorry, 50 million dollars. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, sorry. so is that is that is that 10 million dollars then too? Yes, like yes. Those- I should have said dollars. Yeah. But even then, I do think it's odd that it, that you <laughs> that they save more money as they sell more. Uh, that makes sense, because like it's kind of the commission deal where it's like, hey, I'll, I'm going to charge this much commission, but I'm going to do a bulk deal. Can you cut me a deal? That's kind of what's happening without yeah. that negotiation happening almost. Yeah. There is the argument, too, over like the platform thing when they when they talked about how. Microsoft and, and Sony and, and Nintendo take a take a hit on the console, mm-hmm. and so like the thirty percent is worth it, I guess, is what Epic's uh, case is. Um, and, and so they're trying to argue that Apple's charging too much on on the App Store, but it's like Apple built. I guess it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Apple built the iPhone's popularity, but also the apps made the iPhone popular, right? Mm-hmm. So which is which is more valuable in that uh, relationship? Well, here's the thing, too, is, you know, we've had this discussion before about how games, you know, they've maybe they've slowly crept up in price now that we're in a new generation console generation. But realistically, they haven't increased price to keep pace with other market conditions, I guess, like they're like other things in in the world have increased in price well, well more than video games. And, you know, this 30 percent, I mean, just charge more for your product like that's usually what happens in other industries is like oh like if someone's taking a bigger cut i'll just charge more like I, it's 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 strange that it's so like okay so here here's an example so you you can have a game on epic you can also have a game on steam so if you want to charge let's just like really just make up some numbers here you want to charge 13 dollars for that game on steam but you want, but you're going to charge only ten dollars for that on Epic. What's like? What's the issue that like you might get review bombed or something or attacked social like on like the social media whatever? But in terms of like you making sales, like you don't care whether you get them get the money from Steam or you get the money from Epic. Not that I'm aware because you're charging more on Steam. Again, this is all made up. Or you're charging less on Epic. So whether some people are like, I'm not paying 13, I'm going to go pay 10. You don't care because it's the same amount of money for you, effectively. 
in terms of profits. So right. like, you know what I mean? Like why, like I, I just, I don't really get why games are, are like such a solidified price. It's probably due to competition and stuff that we don't see as outsiders necessarily. But I mean, also to be fair, we got games out there that are selling for 80, 60, 80, whatever dollars and then making a billion in microtransactions. So like the landscape has certainly changed. It is funny that the price is increasing because I know I know the costs have increased to make games, obviously, with new mm-hmm. technologies and whatnot. Um, but these companies are still making billions of dollars in profit. You know what I mean? And it's and not so like it's, you're getting it's, it's kind necessarily of funny. any more like enjoyment or satisfaction out of the product than we would have playing games back in the N64 era, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not like you're paying more for a better product. You're paying more for a product that's providing you as much entertainment as games back then did too, but they also cost half half as much back then. Mm-hmm. So they can throw, you know, whatever, you know, justifications at the consumers that they want. That doesn't necessarily make it true. Well, it'll be it's interesting to see where this goes. Sorry, Matt, do you have something? Well, to say? I was, I was going to ask you, Ryan, like you were saying about Apple, cause you're probably the best person to ask. I'd say like with, with Apple, like they built the iPhone, they have the app store, they built it. So like, yeah, there's a, there's a value proposition to a developer that if you put your app on the app store, then you're going to make more money. But, but the thing is, is that there's no competitor to the app store. So then now it's like this, see, like with, with Steam, Microsoft store and Epic, there's some competition there. Now, yeah, like, like we said in the beginning, there's a big gap there. In terms of their prowess and sales and all their and features, even. But the thing is, is that with something like the App Store, there is no competitor. So is that really like the root of the issue? Is that why people are taking issue? That even if yes. they gave you like some sort of option to say, you know what, download your own app store, and nobody did it. Like 99% of people just didn't do it. Is that is the problem then resolved of the 30%? I don't know because it's a bit hypocritical because Epic also sued did sued Google, right? And there's all the yeah, there's that whole thing even too. even though that is possible on Android, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the the argument seems a little odd in 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 the Google case. I guess they're just trying to say that Google makes it difficult to install or sideload your own app and and whatever else, right? The, the basic argument, from what I can tell, is that like all the like a lot of these antitrust things are happening against Apple, right? Mm-hmm. The, I guess the main argument is that Apple has too much dominant control over the App Store, where they can pick and choose and and choose who to highlight and make money, and they don't have the same restrictions on their own apps. I agree with that. But it's their own private platform, though. Like, it's like going to somebody's restaurant and being like, I don't like the way that you run your restaurant. It's like, well, then <laughs> why did you come to my fucking restaurant? <laughs> like, I'm allowed to do in my restaurant what I want to. And that's that's where I kind of... I do see that Apple does have a, a certain amount of control over their platform, but it's like, it, yeah, you're right. It is their platform. And if you don't want to be a part of that platform, you can go to Android. Mm-hmm. Well, and let me so ask you this. When, when they say that there's no competition, it's like, well, there kind of is. It's just you don't want to be on Android. Is a cell phone, and this is probably a debate that will happen in 10 years legally, is a cell phone a utility? Because the internet, has, it, its its status as a utility has 
been on the uh, the topic of conversation, let's say, mm-hmm. in in the mind of regulators for years, whether it's a utility, whether it isn't in various countries, it's different. And, you know, it, it's different. But the Internet is sort of like that tool now where it's like you want to you want to like apply to a job or something. You got to have the Internet or you want to like work online now when these covid times you got to have the Internet. So it's like this thing that like, hey, should this be made into a utility and as a result be regulated as such so is a cell phone smartphone whatever is that a utility now i don't know because it's not it's not like computers became a utility right but but they also don't seem to suffer from the same sort of exclusivity stuff that does absolutely happen there are exclusive things like of course Microsoft has their exclusive stuff. Mac has their exclusive stuff. But in general, you can edit a video on, Mac, on Windows, and I can, or and or I would I would be the one on Windows, Ryan, and then you would be the one on Mac. <laughs> but we could right. still edit the video. Yeah, you know. I don't know. It's 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 a bit confusing. I'm not sure where I completely stand on all of this stuff. Um, it, it, it does seem weird though for someone to come in and say, "Oh, you have this platform. Epic has a right." to be on your phone you know and not listen to your rules that's a weird concept but i can i can imagine it happening you know what i mean yeah i don't know i think this is almost like a damned if you do damned if you don't situation because the whole restaurant argument we had makes sense but then there's like the whole I mean, utility kind of argument at this point and competition argument as well. It's like it's also kind of funny to latch your business onto someone else's. And then complain when things don't go the way you want them to. You know what I mean? You just have to adapt. I mean, that's just the name of the game at that point. Here's the thing, though, is like, I guess I guess the main I mean, I I realize there's more than one more than just Mac out there, let's say, but. Or more than just the iPhone, sorry, out there with Android. But I guess the thing is, is it's it it begs the question of, hey, you know, I would like to make a, you know, an app. I'm just going to make it so that it's only available on like Ubuntu Touch. Like you're not really going to get much. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get many users. I mean, straight yeah. up, assuming that app is good. So you kind of have to, due to market conditions, go to them. So then you kind of like have to latch yourself to them. Because if you really think about it, like uh, Apple has, what's that developer conference? WDC or something? WWDC. WWDC. So then you have WWDC out there. Clearly, Apple is, you know, spending God knows how much on event on an event for their developers because they literally need them. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll have to find it when all the dust settles. We'll we'll see where we stand and when what's happening. Um, I do think I do hope that Microsoft does uh, does fix up their store though. I think there was word of them making it better because right now it's kind of it's kind of not of a pleasant place to be. It's kind of very sterile and <laughs> doesn't look too great. You know. I don't know what would what would make me use their store a lot. I do use it here and there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what would make me use their store a lot. Like, even if they're like, check out this cool new design, I might look at it and be like, cool. And then just go and redownload my stuff from the browser. But let's take something like, like, like why why would you choose the browser over the store? Like, let's, let's take like Spotify, for example. 
because that's on the store and you can also download it, download it from their website. Well, actually, um, not Spotify, though, but I, I do use the the w- Microsoft Store Windows Netflix app. Okay. Um, so there's that whole thing. So I don't know. See, I don't know what pulls me in, in either way. Like, I know that nostalgia, not necessarily nostalgia, but familiarity pulls me toward the browser to just download stuff. Um, that's a good question. For, I don't know. For me, for me, I like having things from one source. Mm-hmm. Right. You can manage it all there. You can check for updates for all your apps in one location instead of having to open all the apps and check individually. It's nice to have it in one unified location. I think that's the biggest selling point for me and why I prefer to use app stores over going to websites. I treat a computer more like a tool, though, too. So maybe that's like a part of it, because like you're not like you use your Mac for your. You use your Mac for your work, as far as I know. I I switch between both my Windows and Mac. Okay, so like, okay, well, let, let me ask you this then. So then for your work, do you care where you get that app? Or is uh, it a utility thing where it's just like, I need a wrench, figuratively speaking. I'm just going to grab a wrench, whether it's from the red toolbox or the blue one or whatever. If it's on the floor, I don't care. I just need a wrench right now. Well, all the Microsoft apps I use for work, I download the ones I can from the Mac App Store. And then the rest I have to go to the website. So I do try to try to get it from the Mac App Store if I can first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, let's move on to the next story here. Uh, PlayStation's delisting of Cyberpunk 2077 has influenced sales on other platforms, according to CD Projekt Red. This is from IGN. Uh, so in the company's first investor's call after the incredibly troubled release of uh, Cyberpunk, a uh, CDPR executive implied that Sony's decision to pull Cyberpunk 2077 off of the PlayStation Store influenced sales on other platforms. Uh, quote, in general, I would say that the sentiment about Cyberpunk and the situation with the Sony digital storefront the fact that we were cut off from a large portion of the market, uh, which may have also indirectly affected gamers' decision to purchase the game on other platforms, definitely influenced the sales. This is from a CDPR executive. Um, that's interesting. So now this game also it sold 13.7 million copies, which is insane. But they're still saying that there was an impact uh, from, from Sony. I agree that there was an impact. I don't believe it was done unjustly. Right. And it is crazy that it's still not on the PlayStation Store. Oh, I didn't. I Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I didn't even, even think about it being reinstated. Yeah. Uh, according to CDPR, they're saying that it's up to Sony. I mean, I will say this is like, I mean, it sucks, whatever, but it's kind of Sony protecting that their customers a bit because that description you know, right. of the of the game could and I didn't read it myself, but like technically speaking, like it, it, the description, I'm sure didn't read. Hey, this game has all these features and half of them are really buggy. You know, <laughs> it didn't say yeah. that. So yeah. they're kind of protecting like, hey, you know what? This is a mess. We're, we're backing away from this. I wonder what was the threshold, though, when they finally say you can come back on the store. Is it the next gen version? Is probably it, probably is that. there a certain amount of fixes that need to be in place? You know. Does Sony play these things? That's a good question. I'm not sure how they make these decisions and then how they do their testing to to say, oh, it can come back on now. How quickly did they remove it from the store? Like, was there a was there a few days where it was like, 
like there was a testing period. Like clearly, like somebody had tested it and been like, yeah, definitely this there was mess. definitely like days, if not weeks, right? Um, I think that I think the 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 water had to boil on people's outrage over the the quality of the game on PS4 in particular. Tim, did you ever have any interest in in Cyberpunk? I did. You know, it's funny as I was going through my uh, Steam wish list like not that long ago, just looking to see like what stuff I was still interested in and clearing out old stuff and seeing when I added things. And I added Cyberpunk to my wish list in the summer of 2019, which is probably when it was shown off at E3, right? Um, I was like, yeah, I may as well just like add this for when it eventually comes out and I'll have that reminder. Um, I'll. I was interested in it a lot more beforehand and (laughs) even like even you know completely ignoring how completely awful and terrible the launch was and the game's performance and expectations and just the nightmare that that was um see honestly the biggest turnoff for me from that game was um just how like garish the ui is i just find a lot of very pleasant art style in that game to be very jarring um and if it's not like customizable to make it a little more like neutral or if i you know maybe find some mods down the line for like a pc version to make the aesthetic a little more pleasing to my eye i might get to it but honestly i don't i I don't have any major like desire to get to it anytime soon just because it uh it feels like it's going to be hard for me to play you know yeah, there definitely is something weird about that UI. Um, it's almost like too neon or too, too, too small but too busy at the same time. It's a little, it's a little strange. It's, yeah, it's very small. Um, the colors I find quite offensive. Um, overall, just like not super great to look at. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not the biggest like of the actual definition of the word cyberpunk. I'm not the biggest fan of that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the gameplay itself looks fairly cool, but overall um, it's, it's not anything like groundbreaking, like the Witcher three. I'm, I'm not super uh, invested in it. So I'm glad I waited. Point, God damn. I'm glad I waited. Holy crap. Yeah. I think at this point I'm going to wait for the next gen version. I think do you that's get my... it. Like with your huh? version, do you get it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they said that was free. Because you got you had the you pre-ordered the PS4 version. Yeah. Okay. It'd be pretty horrible if they came out now and said, "Oh, you got to buy the next-gen version." That'd be pretty, pretty god awful. Well, uh, good luck to them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much all you can say. Right? <laughs> yeah. Good luck. All right, our next story here: Nvidia will be re-releasing RTX 30 series cards with more limited crypto mining. Uh, this is a new report. Uh, this is, comes from uh, GameSpot. A report from hardware outlet Video Cards states that N- NVIDIA's upcoming reissue of its RTX 30 series cards will include chips that will limit their ability to mine cryptocurrency. According to the report, NVIDIA's GAXX2 chips will ship in the middle of May and they will feature LHR, which apparently stands for Light Hash Rate. The report notes that Light Hash Rate is not a marketing term, but a term used internally to describe GPUs to company partners. While these sellers uh, will know which cards include the LHR chips, it will be invisible to the customers buying the chips, hence the quiet launch uh, mentioned in the piece. It also claims that these new chips will offer the same performance as cards that are already on the market. 
I find it odd that they're saying it's like a quiet launch where they're not letting like the the customers know because isn't are they trying to dissuade crypto miners? I think they're trying to stop a a flood of people, right? I would presume. What like, like okay, one sec. Maybe I'm misunderstanding this. So like a quiet launch is in they have these new cards. They're doing this anti uh Bitcoin mining, whatever, crypto mining thing on them. And they're releasing these ones into the market. I don't know whether they're actually new cards completely or whether these are just like a new version of the same card. That's what and it sounds just, like to me. And they're not going to tell us when, right? They're not going to tell us anything. We're not going to know that these are new cards. Well, that is the, probably that. That's probably the reason. These guys are now going to be scared of ordering 10 cases of these cards to only to get 10 cases potentially of garbage for their crypto but, mining. But I just feel like, like like selling to crypto miners shouldn't be an issue if you're a company. You want you want them to buy it, right? But they they I, I thought I would figure that they would want separate cards just for gamers. That's that, that was my thing, like or at least a separate channel. Like I just it's it's very biz- I mean there is a chip shortage right now, so whether that's a that's playing into it, you know whatever COVID as well. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, is like, I mean, if there's a new segment there. Like, I don't understand. Like, I get, like, trying to, hey, you know, these guys are effectively taking it away, taking it away from gamers in a way. Wherever you sit on that, that debate is whatever. The point of the matter is there's a new segment open. Wouldn't you want to fulfill it? Like, there's a reason why there's an Xbox Series S and an X, because there's a lower, there's a lower budget gamer segment out there. Yeah, there's yeah, a lot so- of people out there looking to just, like, get the job done. Mm-hmm. By whatever means necessary, right? Like, I don't get why they, why aren't there mining cards? Like, hey, you know what? There's a big mining whatever industry going on right now. Let's make these cards like the mining cards. Or let's, like I said last week, sell them at a commercial rate. Like, sell them in a commercial way. Hey, we're going to order 10 crates. We'll make them to order. Your order will be done in six weeks, whatever. We'll tell the factory to make them. Moving on, like bulk orders. Yeah, I don't know. It must be. It must be chaos. I'm not. I, I can't imagine. You know, trying to get all these cards made and, and and whatnot. It could just be like way too much demand. It could be one of those things where more cards without any sort of like downgrade to crypto. More cards means more money. So even if they open up that commercial branch, like I'm saying, commercial channel. The guy might say, hey, I want to order 10 cases, but then the guy also has got a bot going on buying everything from Newegg or wherever because he just wants everything because every card turns a profit. Yeah, what if, what, yeah, what if they're just insatiable? What if you can't fill that might <laughs> their be desire for, for new cards? That might, they, and they would, they might know that. Like we're talking as an outsider, they might see the numbers and go, holy like crap that these guys are not satiable. It's almost like the, the population of the planet imploded by like 700,000 or something. You know what I mean? Like where all of a sudden everyone's a gamer no one's crypto money. Everyone's a gamer. Like they saw like a boom in demand that much where it's like, holy, f- like we're not like equipped for this. <laughs> like, like there's well, that, no that, way. That's the, that's the funny thing. Cause on top of the crypto mining, there is an influx in PC gamers who want these brand new cards that are, that were pitched as amazing new cards. Right. So it's a pretty crazy time uh, for, <laughs> for chips all around the world. <laughs> All right. Our, our, is, uh, oh, I was gonna. Sorry, I was gonna ask you. Did you ever confirm whether? Because I remember you and I were talking individually. But like, did you ever confirm whether the M1 chip by Apple is having uh, chip shortages as well? 
I've only seen a few stories. Um, not too much. But uh, Apple does get their chips from the same place. Like all mm-hmm. the big chip manufacturers, uh, AMD, NVIDIA, and Apple. Uh, I think maybe even Samsung uh, mm-hmm. get their chips from TSMC in China. Right. Intel's the only one who doesn't. They they make their own chips, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or at their own factories that they... Whatever. Um, and that's one of the problems is the high demand for chips. You have a pandemic. You have them all coming from one location, one manufacturer, and uh, trade wars and tariffs with China. Uh, here we go. Um, so it's all leading to chaos. All right. Our, our final story for the week. Facebook free Oculus Quest 2 is way more expensive. This comes from GameSpot. Uh, so those looking to get into virtual reality on a relatively cheap budget may consider the Oculus Quest 2, but the Facebook login required caveat might be a turnoff. There's a version that doesn't require the social media account. However, that one, Oculus Quest 2 for business, comes in at four to $500 <laughs> more <business. laughs> than the base model. So there are two separate SKUs for the uh, Oculus Quest 2. One is for business and another for consumers. The consumer model starts at 299 for 64 gigabytes and 399 for 256 gigabytes. Uh, when considering other VR headsets like the HTC Vive and Valve Index and their convoluted setup process, the Oculus Quest 2's affordable price and ease of use is more enticing. That is until the Facebook login required caveat pops up. So the Quest 2 for business comes in at 799 for 256 gigabytes and is the only one available and it does not require the Facebook login despite but the hardware being identical to the consumer model. Consider this though. You get to play Resident Evil VR. (laughs) (laughs) That's worth the cost. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. I'm just. (laughs) I would be. I would actually love it if somebody was just like, you know, despite all that, yeah, still worth it. It also says here, add in the $180 annual subscription to enterprise-grade software and support after a year of free service, following the purchase of Oculus Quest 2 for business. So that's pretty nuts. I. I know this is gonna. I know this is controversial among the tech scene. I really don't care if I have to have a Facebook account because I have a PlayStation account, and I can't have my Xbox account on my PlayStation. Like, if you really don't want to use a Facebook account, then you really don't really want to use an Oculus, in my opinion. I know that's... But, but Oculus you know? is like one of the better headsets, right? But that's there you go. Then, but PlayStation is one of the better consoles. That's like calling up Sony and saying, I would really like to use my Microsoft account to uh, to buy things on the PlayStation, but I really don't want to use the PlayStation store and I really don't want a PlayStation account. I think I think the problem is like they used to have a separate account. Like a separate Oculus account. Facebook, yes, bought them. And of course, they're going to make you have a Facebook account. But of course they are. Like, I don't like I. I have trouble getting upset about something that's expected. That should be expected, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Also, I like, personally have a Facebook account, and I don't want to use my Facebook account on this thing. <laughs> so. But here, here's the thing, though, is like, now I don't know all the ins and outs and all the sensors on this damn thing, but like, people are always worried about Facebook and their privacy. Don't put a lot of stuff on Facebook then. But here's the thing, though, is that Facebook doesn't just have access to what you put on it. It also has access to, you know... Your your browsing history, your cookies. It's how they you know take for they find your information through other sources, depending on what browser that you're using and mm-hmm. what websites you visit, and they're taking that and selling it to advertisers. 
So Facebook knows more than just what you put on it. The only true defense from Facebook is just never using it. You know, what would be a good question, actually, though, with that is if you had a Facebook account, let's say you open up a Facebook account on the Oculus, assuming that you assume you can do that and you only use it on the Oculus. So I made like a Matt Oculus Facebook account. <laughs> like, is it are they really not going to get anything from me? Because I'm not going to go and sign into my Matt Oculus account on my computer or like if I even if it is my even if I use my personal, I don't really post on Facebook. So like. Yes, there's some information there, sure, but like, let's just say I had nothing on there. It was just like my personal account, and that was it, and I just don't log in on the computer. I wonder how much they, because that's a good point, like, through cross-references and blah, 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 and all like the browser access, like, can they get a lot out of the Oculus Quest? That's a good question. That is a good question. I never, I never thought about making like, a dummy account. Yeah. be interesting to see, actually, to compare that between, like, somebody who, who does not have a Facebook account at all, or has one that is basically a burner account that they've just never ever used Mm -hmm. uh and a completely brand new account which is i guess like a literal burner account um (laughs) just just to see like how much they get out of it through the oculus that would actually be an interesting experiment i get i get the i like the uh concern i guess i get the concern of like data being everywhere this that and the other thing but like I don't know whether there's like a like a way to solve it anymore these days either because the like a lot of the services we use all like a lot of people will expect their information to be there if they log into a new phone for example or they log into Fallout 76 even um somewhere else like if they log in on another console and they they log in under their PSN name like they expect their save effectively to be there so that has to be solved they has to be stored sorry on the server in in 76's case so I don't really know I, I'm, you well, know what I'm, I think my question really is is like I wonder how worried the public really is about privacy. Well, I think I mean yes, I'm an Apple sheep, but uh, I like the way Apple's handling it with their newly implemented um, tracking transparency feature that mm-hmm. they just added to iOS. And it, it Apple's not necessarily saying what Facebook does with your data is bad, right? It does give you a a you could say a better experience in terms of the ads that's delivered to you in terms of what kind of services they're going to offer you. You know what I mean? Facebook knowing about you helps them theoretically helps them give you better services. Right. But all Apple is saying is let the user decide that don't decide it for them. Right. It should be up to the user, whether you get to use their data or not. And that's, that's all it is, you know, It's interesting to think about, like, if you look at, like, a futuristic program, a sci-fi program, they have, like, these computers that know everything about them. We're kind of, like, heading toward that, and, like, this is almost a roadblock to that. Now, whether you like that or dislike it or whatever, like, you controlling your information is actually almost like a roadblock to that future, unless you accept it. It's it's interesting. Like, I, I'm not taking a stance on that. I don't really know what mm-hmm. the answer is there, but... um it's interesting to me that the like the the AI in I've only seen the trailer of it, but the AI in that what what's that one Joaquin music, uh, song or song that one uh, movie? Her, uh, her, that's it. Like that, and again, I've only seen the trailer, but like an AI like that needs to know you. It needs to know like you know like let's say like you want your Amazon Echo to 
know when you need more medicine. So you don't need to like book the prescription stuff yourself. You get it, the machine to do it for you. I mean, it needs to know that. And like we're in its infancy now. So then like us putting a bunch of privacy laws makes logical sense, but it blocks that. I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like it's, it's a, it's an interesting conundrum if it, if you could even call it that. Cause it is pretty, it's really in its infancy. Like a lot of these smart things are not yeah, that smart. And, and, and again, that's also Apple's point is that if, if you think it's so much better to have the customer's data, you should be able to sell them on that point. Mm-hmm. Right. If, if Google thinks that, that their voice assistant is so far superior because of your data, they shouldn't be afraid to say that. And yet they are. Right. Like when you, when I first signed up for Facebook, I didn't know that they'd be using all my stuff to to sell ads and, and to sell it to advertisers. You know, that's the question too, right? Is it's like it is a convenience thing, but mm-hmm. then it's also like I want like logically I want control of my data, but at the same time, if you told me in high school, which is when we got Facebook, if you told me in high school this is going to be used on smart assistants. I probably wouldn't believe them because it was so far in the future. Right. So I wonder how much the information that they did gather pushed that pushed these sort of smart speakers and Facebook pixels or whatever the heck they call them and all these things. Like I wonder how they how far it's been pushed forward because of the information they have. Mm-hmm. And, and and another another thing. Just I'll, I'll stop talking about Apple after this, but. <laughs> uh, Another thing they do, and you can you can make fun of Siri all you want, that's fine. Um, but Siri's intelligence comes from the device, not from a horde of data, you know, in Apple's mm-hmm. servers where they know everything about you. And and Siri does do things that that do work well, all on the device. You know, I, it sometimes it's scary when an app pops up in my suggested apps that I wanted to use. You know, and I'm not sure how it does it, but it, it somehow knows. Um, what about if you get another phone? I think I think it's I think it's on your account, but Apple doesn't have access to it, right? And the yeah, actual that, intelligence always, is is, see, is see, built into their chip and stuff. That's always not to say that Apple's lying or anything, but that's always an eyebrow raiser. Like, oh, so it is in the cloud, and then that's always like a hmm, you know? Like, well, no, um, they, they, I mean, one thing that I kind of feel proves that they don't have access is they literally went to war with the FBI over this. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying they're right. lying by any capacity. It's just always like, one of those like, like little things. Yeah. And and so Apple Apple claims they don't even have a key to unlock your data in their iCloud servers. Mm-hmm. Right. But anyway, that's a big topic for uh, smarter minds. Um. <laughs> it's for Tim. Tim, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, I thought you, I thought your your brain blew up from all the. <laughs> no, he's the in his talk. Oculus Quest too. He's signing up right now. Yeah. all right well uh thanks for listening folks uh tim's on the uh twitch oh he's but he's not on the mic twitch.tv slash yeah that figures i was just wondering if i would just wait if you would uh if you would do the plug and you are playing uh zelda which one are we playing majora's mask majora's mask there you go it's a good one uh, yeah, you'll have to tune in quickly because uh, they're probably going to finish it fairly soon. And then after that, oh. I think uh, I'm going to be on a bit of a Nintendo kick for a little while because I want to. Uh, I haven't played a Mario game in a long time, so if I don't play Mario 64 with this uh, with this very satisfying <laughs> <Nice>. to use <laughs> adapter, I'm probably going to be doing uh, Mario Odyssey because I haven't played it since it came out. So I kind of want to get back and do another Mario Odyssey playthrough. 
Cool. Yeah. Uh, we also stream on Wednesdays here on the Day One Patch Media. Um, you can find us on twitch.tv slash Day One Patch Media. And uh, um, probably Sea of Thieves, I guess. Are we ever going to get off the Sea of Thieves train? Or are we just... God, I hope so. Oh, oh, you hope so? Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm trying to hit a million, at least. Uh, Adriano seems to love that game, so we'll all have He's to have He's probably happy that we're playing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because uh, he was playing it nonstop solo, so. And uh, don't right. forget to mention the podcast if you uh, pop in. It'd be interesting to see uh, who's listening, who's popping in the, to the Twitch chat. Sure thing. Um, that's about it. We'll see you guys next time. Peace!